and turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, and when you find it, stand. We're going to read it together. Psalm 100. 
Psalm 100. Turn to your Bibles or turn to your phones, whichever it is. <laughs> Can't fight that anymore. Psalm 100. Okay, let's read together verses 1 through 5. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And that's a great psalm to read for Thanksgiving Sunday. And uh, have a short Thanksgiving message after this, so don't go home yet. And while you're standing, say hello to somebody next to you. Uh, just say hello to them. Don't move anywhere. Just say hello. All right? <laughs> All right, then uh, just remain standing for just a second. <laughs> All right, now, there is there is a box fan that is available. I neglect to mention it for two weeks, but if you need a box fan, it's free. It's pretty good. It's in Keaton's car, I think. And so... Um, uh, let them know if you want that fan. It's no charge. Now, you can charge them if you want to, but um, it's up to you. Uh, Hannah's birthday is today. Where's Hannah? Hannah is now 25 years old. And so, happy birthday, Hannah. And then next week on the 24th is Mary's birthday. Let's say happy birthday. Where'd you go? Happy birthday to these two uh, troublemakers. Happy birthday to Christmas traveling over the plaza, so read the bulletin for that. You need to sign up by next Sunday or December the 3rd. And let Francis know here that you're signing up. Uh, if you don't sing, but you want to come and maybe pass out some gospel, Christmas gospel tracks and a candy cane or some candy to the senior citizens there, you want to come and just smile and pretend that you're happy and pleasant and come and do that. Uh, add to that. And uh, so those of you who would like to join in singing, uh, you won't be doing solos, you'll be singing with other people there. And uh, Got a violin player, got a guitar player, got a guitar player. And so that'd be a real nice change for them to have, bring some happiness to their their dreary existence at the plaza. And so, I didn't mean to say that like that. I mean, uh, <laughs> but uh, it'd be nice for you to come and just smile like you're smiling now and bring them some happiness. And so, uh, all right, so any questions on that? Be sure you let them know, otherwise we won't expect you if you don't say something, okay? All right, any questions on that? You may be seated. I'm glad you're in church today. All right, 370. 370. Count your blessings. 370.
questions today. We're going to ask um, Kayla. No, Kayla. Kayla got a special Thanksgiving special for us. That's really good. Let's all stand. We'll sing one more song. 449. Let's all stand. 449. We'll sing to God be the glory. Sing the first and the last stanzas. Four hundred and forty-nine. <clears throat> 
I hope he is your shepherd too. Uh, that's a true song for those who know him as Lord and Savior. But not everybody who sings that song or recites Psalm 23 is a Christian. It's a famous psalm, and yet people who say it very eloquently even may not even know Christ as personal Savior. So be sure you know that. You know him as your Savior. And he is our shepherd. Uh, the Lord saved us, and he doesn't leave us to be on our own. And sometimes his guidance leads us through some deep waters and some dry deserts and some rough, rocky places and some winding places. And sometimes you wonder, what is going on? Have you ever wondered what's going on? Anybody? Okay, I have. But uh, take comfort in knowing he is our shepherd. Now, turn to the book of Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. It's a famous story. It's a famous account. Luke chapter 17, verse number 11. Verse number 11. All right, when you find it, say amen or say a grunt. Amen. Okay, then. Or say hoorah. Or uh, what's the army say? Hoorah? Uh, hoorah doesn't sound too good. Hoorah. All right, verse number 11 says this. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Verse 17. And Jesus answering said, Where uh, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger and he said unto him arise go thy way thy faith hath made thee whole let us pray father i pray for your help i pray for your uh, moving on the hearts of people so they see what the text says and that we will learn some things about this story about this young uh, uh this leper man who was the only one out of ten who came back to thank god for the miracle of being healed of his leprosy help us today to not be like the nine Help us to be like the 10th one, or this one out of 10, just 10%, that made time before he went off to thank you for the miracle you did for him. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, leprosy, a deadly disease that seemed to be so popular and so, not popular, but common in the first century, and preceding the first century, and uh, you were destined to live in a camp outside of your normal living situation. You couldn't go to the marketplace, you couldn't have fellowship with your family because you were a leper and so you'd be you'd be off you'd be um, what I'm looking for is quarantined and you could not be in contact with anyone you'd walk and you'd cover your mouth and you'd be covered up and you would say if someone would come by uh, thoughtlessly you would say unclean unclean you'd uh, prevent <coughs> in contact with anyone these ten men were in a bad situation uh, these ten men did not know it, but this would be a special day for them. 
They lived their life, who knows for how long, with leprosy. It doesn't say. The Bible doesn't tell us. But they had leprosy, and they were outside of the camp, and they were able to live on their own by themselves, away from normal societal life. And so they were in a bad, bad condition at this time. But this was a special day for them. Uh, no one, no one would know that this would be the day that they would be healed. Their friends, their relatives, all those who were concerned about them, they did not know that this day in their town, Jesus Christ would come by and that it would be a special day for these 10. They didn't know that. It's reasonable to think that they asked for help before. It's reasonable to think that their families and friends and everyone was concerned that they'd be cured and healed, but nothing came about. It's reasonable to think that they were disappointed many times. Some snake oil salesman would come by and peddle his wares and promise all kinds of things with the sugar water. And uh, of course, they're always trying to try to get whatever they could to help. Uh, modern medicine at the time was not able to cure them. It was just pretty hopeless. It's reasonable to think that these 10 lepers, like other lepers, would give up hope and not ever believe that they could be cured or healed of this. But today was a special day for them. They didn't know it uh, because Jesus came to their town. And let me tell you something. When Jesus comes, it makes a big difference in someone's life when Jesus comes. When Jesus Christ shows up, it makes a big difference. Uh, years ago, my wife and I, maybe Nathan, I don't remember Nathan was with us. We were in a town called Saginaw, Texas. And it may have been the 4th of July. I'm not sure what, what time of year, but I remember the event. We were there, a crowd of people in some part of Saginaw, Texas. And uh, our friend at the time, I'm not sure if he's alive now. But his name is, um, his name is, I have it here. His name is Junior Cornelius, big Texan. He was the chaplain for the Saginaw Police Department. I didn't know that he was. I just knew he was a nice guy. We became friends and stayed at his house as we passed through. One night we talked in his kitchen until four in the morning. He's a talker. He is he is, what, he is what Ethan will be when he grows up. <laughs> Ethan's a talker. Ethan talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. And he just never stops talking. Ethan just talks and, and I, I put him, Ethan, talk softer. And he just has a real high voice when he talks. And he, it just, he just talks so much. Junior Cornelius was an adult Ethan. He just talked. We had something after church. Was eating in his dining room table. I'd get up, you know, trying to throw him like, oh, I'm tired. I'd go to the kitchen refrigerator. And he said, he comes over, he talks somewhere. We're standing there. I'm like this. We're talking. I'm, I'm interested in what he's saying. He's a police captain of the Saginaw Police Department. He's talking about things. He says all kinds of things. And just, just a real good guy. We had driven somewhere around the 4th of July to some event. And the people were getting kind of rowdy. I don't know if they're drinking or not, but it seems like whenever you drink, you get rowdy. Yes? Yes. <laughs> yeah, all, all, <laughs> all right, you folks who you folks who drink know. <laughs> so we're in this place, we're in this car, and uh, the crowd's getting rowdy, and people are pushing and shoving, and something's going on. And then somebody says, is there a policeman nearby? Somebody call the cops. Junior Cunis driving the car, police captain. He's got his badge in his pocket. He rips it up. He steps out of his car. He does this. You got one right here. You got one right here. And everybody hushed. When Junior Cornelius identified himself as the police officer, everybody calmed down. I thought about that. And I'm thinking, when Jesus showed up to this 
But this time, something happened. He made a difference when Jesus showed up. You got one right here. When Jesus showed up, he did something that they didn't expect. He healed these guys. All ten of them got it. It was a special day for them when Jesus showed up. Now, let me tell you this. When Jesus shows up, one of these days, one of these days when he shows up, it would be a real huge change when he shows up. When the Lord shows up at the second coming, not even counting the rapture. When he shows up, when he comes down to earth, when he shows up, what a difference it's going to make. This whole crazy, mad, violent world is going to be changed one day. The whole tribulation has been a destructive time for this whole world. And when he shows up, everything's going to change. It'll be a bloodbath, first of all. Revelation chapter 19. It'll be death and destruction. And uh, up to the horse's bridle. It's going to be an awful time when he comes back. But he's going to make a difference. Afterwards, it'll be peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It'll be God reigning from Jerusalem. Finally, after all of these hundreds of years, he's going to come back and he's going to rule from Jerusalem with a rod of iron and there'll be justice on this earth at last. No corruption in government. No monkey business. No false accusations. No underhanded stuff. No corrupt this, no corrupt that. He will rule from Jerusalem like a king. Like a good king. Like a righteous king. And people are going to be happy because you break the law, you're going to get busted. You break the law, you're going to get thrown in jail. They're going to arrest you, just like in Singapore. Don't you like when there's law and order? No? Now let me know if you're alive today. Do something. Or, you know, uh, do something so that I kind of feel like I'm talking to uh, a group of people who are somewhat alive. Now, at a funeral, it's a little different thing. It's sad. It's somber. But let me know if you live in a life today, okay? So what was I saying before I interrupted myself? Oh, that hurt. Pinch too hard. Um, what was I saying, Paul? Oh, don't you like law and order? I like cop shoes where the good guys win. I like Tom Selleck in Blue Bloods because the good guy wins. I like it when justice is meted up at the bad guy. When those bad actors get busted, when that pervert gets stopped in his track, I like that. Amen. I like when a cop says, you know what? <laughs> Be oh, because the guy didn't comply, right? The guy didn't comply. I saw a video of a guy got pulled over, a, a white, a redneck in tank tops somewhere in the south, on the side of the road, the cop says, put your hands in the car. He wouldn't do it. Put your hands in the car. He wouldn't do it. This guy just talking back and acting like he's going to do something. He had all the marks and signs that are going to be violent. So this cop was alert, you know, and he's, he's put, uh, put your hands on the car. And this guy just, it came right at him. You know what this guy did? He wrestled with this, this guy and finally he tased him or he shot him one or the other. I said, yay, good. All you got to do is just obey the law, man. Everything is fine, right? Why is that so hard to understand? Okay, so when Jesus Christ comes back, what a difference he'll make. And I'll say this, coming back to today. When Jesus Christ comes into someone's life, when he is the Lord of that person, then there's a big change that happens. And it's going to be good. When a man is on his own, without God in his world, there is no hope. He might think he's happy. He might think everything is great. But really, he's pretty empty. 
He's like those Pharisees, they're white as sepulchers. They look good on the outside, whitewashed, but inside, full of dead men's bones. That's what people like when they're not saved or right with God. They have everything on the outside that looks so good, so, so all together, but they're still lepers. Uh, in the Old Testament, there was a man who was an officer for the Syrian army, and he was well-respected. He was loved by the people, his superiors. They were so thankful that he was there because he was a good man. Had a family, had a good wife, had children, had servants. They all loved this man. But the Bible says in 2 Kings, but he was a leper. Everything was so good on the outside, but he was a leper. In other words, when that man went to bed, he went to bed with sadness in his heart because though he had all the day's uh, activities done and his job was done, uh, people pat him on the back figuratively, people respected him and uh, nodded at him and said, there goes, there goes Naaman. There goes Naaman. Well, we're so glad he's with us. We're so glad he's on our side. We're so glad. Da, da. But when he went to bed, I'll tell you something. Uh, it was a sad thing for this man. When they ate dinner at home with his wife and kids, the servants all knew that there was a real tone of sadness in this house because he was a leper. There was no cure for him so far until you know how that turned out. Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. One of the men prophets with begins with the E <laughs> said, go wash in the river Jordan seven times and uh, you'd be white as snow, you'd be clean. And he, finally he did that and he dipped down six times and he said, uh, but on the seventh time, thank God for his friends, his co-workers, his subordinates said, if you'd asked to do a hard thing, you'd have done it. He's asked you to do a simple thing, which is good logic. I mean, you climb the highest mountain across the deepest ocean, if that's what he told you to do, to be healed of your leprosy. But he said, just dip in this muddy river seven times. That's all you got to do. And you come up on the seventh time white as snow. And he finally did that. And he came up, shook his head like a dog. And the people on the bank said, oh! They gasped as if they saw Michael... Michael Jackson come alive, or they saw Elvis alive. <laughs> and they saw him. They said, Master, Master, look. What? Look at your skin. He says, What about my skin? They said, Your skin is as white, as soft looking as a baby's behind. He says, Really? And he got healed because he did what the prophet said. When he did what the prophet said, he made a difference in life. When Jesus Christ comes in someone's life, when someone receives Christ as Savior, when someone is born again, when someone gets right with God, it makes a huge difference in their life. The song goes, today I went back to the place where I used to live. Today I saw the same old crowd I knew before. When they asked me what had happened, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't live here anymore. In other words, his home before he got to know the Lord was a home of violence, a home of uh, anger, shouting and screaming, door slamming, things like that. It was horrible. But when he came to know the Lord, the Lord changed him. When Jesus shows up in someone's life, he makes a huge difference. You know why some people are bad? They never got saved. You know why some people are so wicked? They never met Christ. You know why some people are always uh, uh, bullying or acting tough or acting like uh, they are the king, they are the godless world. You know why they act like they are, they don't need anybody's help? It's because they don't have God in their life. 
they're blinded by the devil and they just think their life is great but it's not these men knew that their life was not great but today was a special day for them is cause the Lord had come to heal them he always makes a difference in someone's life he made a huge difference in the life of these lepers now here's something else you see from this little portion of scripture uh, it's a sad commentary in society in this portion of scripture the ten got healed they were cleansed they were cleansed and um, in verse 12 ten men were lepers they asked Jesus for mercy and for help he responded to them by the way can I tell you this when they lifted up their voices and said Jesus master have mercy on us I think this is true I think the Bible bears this out that when a sincere cry from the heart comes out God hears those sincere prayers now I mean to say that God knows our hearts I mean to say that when you cry to God for help he knows when you're goofing off playing around just trying to get some temporary relief you know what I mean you get in the jam and you need some help you're gonna to cry to him for help I think he knows let me let me let me contradict myself I know he knows the sincerity of your cries or your prayers or your heart's desire I think he knows the sincerity of it no man can know it until we see the fruit of it but I think God knows when you read it down and you really are desperate for help and he responds to that I think that is true I think that's even true so that he gets you to the place of receiving his son as Lord and Savior I think he keeps people alive because he knows that they are just desperate for a second chance I think that is true well they lifted up their voice and said Jesus master have mercy on us they were really desperate though I don't know we don't know how long they were lepers and how often they cried for help I know one thing they said Jesus master have mercy on us and the Lord says when he saw them he said to them go show thyself unto the priest and it came to pass that as they went they were healed or they were cleansed and so uh, but it's a sad commentary on society because though they were healed of the leprosy which they wanted and never could get except for him verse 15 one of them when he saw that he was healed turned back well that means they must have been going away from him he turned back they got healed they're so happy they're going to go to the priest and show themselves the priest can declare them oh, let's see oh yeah i declare you whole i declare you whole that would have been good news then they could have told their friends and their family and said look no more leprosy look take off all the rags around their face look look at me lift up the shirt look at me and they would say did you have to lift up your shirt and see your belly button no put it back down and so they showed their ankle and showed their feet look 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 i'm healed of my leprosy they were so happy to do that they were happy to want to get to that point they were all cleansed and one of them when he saw that he was healed turned back and with a loud voice glorified god and fell on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was a samaritan and Jesus said in verse 17, were, were there not 10 cleansed? Of course he knew there were 10 cleansed. Sometimes the question is, that, well, where are those guys that I healed? Well, he knows he healed them. He knows where they are. Uh, where were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Where, where are the nine? What about the nine who were healed? Well, they were so happy to go, they forgot about the one who healed them. How about that? To me, that's a reflection it's a sad commentary on society 90% of the people that got healed never stopped to thank never took time to pause never took time to pause to thank the one who healed them they never took a second to stop like this one to say thank you Jesus for what you just done for me it is it is so great I'm so happy thank you so much but they never stopped to do that 
To me, it's a commentary on society. It's a sad commentary. In Romans chapter 1, I'll just read the verse to you. There's a little deeper context to Romans 1 I'm about to read you. But it does say this. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful. Neither were thankful. But became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Now, these men who got healed these night, I don't think their foolish heart was darkened. I just think they were so happy and so anxious to let the priest declare them whole that they can go back to the families. I think that was it. But to me, it does remind me of how society is so ungrateful for what God has done for them. For that matter, in general, they are ungrateful to people who have done some things for them. And so, um, uh, they're not as severe as Romans 1.21 says. But you remember when you were young, well, I don't know if you, it's true for your generation, but uh, we who are over 40, <laughs> we who are over 40, I think we were taught growing up consciously or subconsciously or by, by example that you are to respect others and you are to have some manners. Don't come in front of adults. Don't come in front of adults. Uh, respect your elders. Uh, don't run in front of them. Open the door for them. Show respect to your elders. I remember those days when I was young. Even in school, they taught us to have some manners. Uh, you answered your adult, adults, parents or someone, not with yeah, but with yes. And sometimes, yes, sir. Sometimes, yes, ma'am. Not yeah. Hey, son, did you, son, come here. Uh, hey, son, yeah. Okay, now we weren't taught to talk like that. We were taught to be respectful. It was yes, yes, sir, answer, you know, the teacher, authority figures. Man, I was afraid of my vice principal at Castle High School. I remember his name, Mr. Kabashigawa. Japanese. Japanese, Mr. Kabashigawa. Real straight-laced guy, skinny tie, white shirt, flat type haircut, thick glasses. A typical, a typical Buddha head kind of a guy. He was short, 5'5", five, five, but he was the VP. He had the paddle. He had the authority to flunk you or to keep you back. Yes, he did. And one semester at school, Castle High School, high school, not elementary school, high school. I lived so close to the school, two blocks away. I would sleep until the homeroom bell rang. I could hear it. I had 10 minutes to get to class. I'd get up, out the door. But I got there late one semester. I don't want to confess to you this, but this is Thanksgiving Sunday. I must be honest. I was late to school that many times. I didn't even count. I didn't even count. I was so tired from sports, from practice and everything. You know, step late anyway, read comic books and get up late. And I, I, I knew I had so much time to make it to school. I was late that many times one semester. I had to face Mr. Kabashikov. Now, you might be curious as to know how many times I was late. Would you like to take a guess? Not enough. Now don't be shy. I don't have all day. 40? Less than 40. I would never be late 40 times in school. 39. <laughs> that must be some record of some 38 times I was late to school. And he made me stand in front of him. He says, he called me by my full name. I'm not telling my full name. You know my name is K-A-M. My last name is C-H-I-G. There's another three letters to my name. I'm not telling you. He called me by my full name. He said, do you know how many times you're late to school? I said, no. 
He said, no what? I said, no. No what? Well, I answered your question. He said, no, sir. Oh, okay, no, sir. <laughs> he looked over here. He had some kind of paperwork from the homeroom teacher. You have been tardy to school 38 times. And he looked real serious. This, this booty head looked real serious to me. You were late 38 times. He leaned forward to me. I said, I leaned back for him. He said, do you know if you don't shape up, this is going to go on your permanent record. Oh, that nasty permanent record <laughs> that no one saw. Oh, permanent record. It's going to follow me the rest of my life until I'm 60 years old. I won't get a job because it's been my permanent record. Oh, so terrifying. I respect for him. Now, we did have respect for authority back then in the mid-60s. And when our coach says something, we, we answered him properly. We did what he said, no question. We just did everything. Our teachers had command in the classroom. We respected them, except a few bozo friends of mine. You know, athletes are all bozos, you know. They always thought they were the exception to the rules. I never thought that I was the exception to anything. I thought, man, if I want to play football, I better, I better pass this class. Because he said, he said, if you don't pass my quizzes and tests, you will not play football. I'll let the athletic department know. And you will not play against Kylo. You not play against whatever. You're going to sit at home, do your homework. I didn't want to do that. I don't want to do homework. I want to play. <laughs> I took him for us. Well, I respected him. Others did not. It's a sad comment to society when people don't show gratitude and thankfulness for people who have done some good things for them. Here are nine men who got healed of the same thing that this tenth guy did, or one of them did, and they just got so happy they took off to... But they never stopped. But one guy did. It's a commenter, I think, on society. They never showed any appreciation. Now, this man, this man... This man was sensible. He was a sensible man. You have here a special day for all 10. You have a sad commentary on the nine and sad commentary on society in general. And now you have a sensible man because he was the only one who stopped. He stopped and he turned and he thanked the Lord for what he did for him. Something so simple as that was a big deal. It is a big deal to me because it showed this man appreciated what the Lord had done for him. The healed leper, as happy as the other nine, as anxious as the other nine to go and see the priest and be declared whole, but he made time to turn back and with a loud voice glorify God. A loud voice. <coughs> yeah, oh, Jesus, I want to thank you for healing me. Thank you so much, bro. He wasn't so mealy mouth under his, on, you know, it, was, it was a loud, with a loud, it's with a loud voice. Now, you all have a loud voice. You just don't have a loud voice sometimes, but you have a loud voice. Have you ever stepped on a thumbtack? Have you ever kicked your toe at night on a coffee table or a chair out of place? You ever done that? You ever, kick, you ever get hurt like that? You have a loud voice. You ever get scared? I saw a lady, she was coming out of her car late at night some city, and uh, there's a camera there, security camera, videoing the whole thing. She comes out of her, she turns around, here's a guy gonna mug her. And she screams with a loud voice. She didn't say, oh no, please don't hurt me. She said, ah, and she raised her voice out loud for the whole world to hear. She raised a loud, she, it was loud. This man with a loud voice, with a loud voice, with a loud voice, glorified God. Thank you, Lord, for healing me with a loud voice. He was a sensible man. Sensible because, sensible because he realized what happened to him. And he just had to 
show the one and tell the one and tell everybody else what happened to him to express thankfulness, to show gratitude, to let the whole world know that he is now here because of you, because of him. He had sense. He's a sensible man. Now, there are some uh, scriptural principles that I find in this portion of scripture. Scriptural principles. First of all, the Bible tells us to be thankful. It's obvious. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Let's look at this one. Ephesians chapter 5. Now you would think for something so great like being healed of leprosy. Of course, it don't happen today, leprosy. But you know, if you had another disease that you healed of, wouldn't you be excited about that? Let's say you had pancreatic cancer. Oh boy. If you had pancreatic cancer and you were healed after the doctors, there's no hope for you. It's too late. We didn't find it. You didn't catch it soon enough. Uh, it's, you only have a and if somebody came by and healed you, wouldn't you be excited about that and totally grateful? Now look, if somebody could heal somebody of dementia or Alzheimer's, boy, that'd be a big deal. If somebody could just come to Brother Tim and say, Tim, you don't have to come to a crusade. Tim, let me come to your house and I'll pray for you. I'll lay my hands upon you and God's going to use me to heal you. And if that happened, and next day you see Tim in church, and he's in his right mind, which would be very irritating. <laughs> Tim in his right mind. Aww. Yeah, the Yankees. Yeah, the Red. Yeah, yeah. That'd be irritating. But we're so happy for him that he's in his right mind. And he can remember things now. And he can recall things now. And now he knows who you are now. And it'll be such a good thing. He'd be so happy. We'd be happy for him if that would happen. Well, here's a man who got healed of leprosy. Forever his life has changed until he dies physically. He's able to resume a normal life with people. He can go to birthday parties, come to anniversaries, he can go to church, he can do this, he can do that. He can go roller skating with you, he can go swimming with you, play with the orcas with you. <laughs> he can do anything with you. He can have fun with you. He can golf with you and do anything with you like a normal guy. He can go to l and with you. He can go eat some uh, balut with you. <laughs> he can go eat, and he can do anything normally. It'd be a great thing. But this man... This man was sensible. I was a sensible man because the Bible tells us in Scripture principle, Ephesians 5, verse number 18. Watch this now. 518. I be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20. Giving, giving, Good, say that. Giving thanks. Giving thanks. And then it says, always. Uh-oh. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians tells us, 5.18, In everything give thanks for this the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Have you ever wondered what the will of God is for your life? Oh, Lord. I don't know what the will of God is for people who go to college or high school, getting out of high school. They're always wondering. It's a very, it's a very fluid time for them because they, they know what they want to do, but they don't know what they want to do. They know where they should go, but they don't know where they should go. They, they, they want to be an adult, but they're not an adult. They're still trapped in a kid's mind, an immature mind. They don't have world experiences, life experiences yet. And so they want to, they want to express their independence, but they don't know what to do. They've been careful for 18 years and they're still kind of independent upon their parents, which is not bad. 
but they've grown some, so they're a bit more independent, but they don't know where to go, what to do, if, if it's college, if it's work, if it's this, if they don't know. And so they don't know what the will of God is for the life. And if they say, they say, if I could know the will of God, I would do it. Well, here's the will of God for everybody. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You can know God's will by being thankful. And if you become thankful for all things in everything, you are in the will of God in that sense. So you're always in the will of God to be thankful to God, to be thankful for what He allows to come your way. He does say give thanks always for all things. He does say in everything give thanks. Now does that mean I give thanks to God for bad things? Oh, wait a minute now. That's kind of a hard one, yeah? Give thanks to God for bad things that happen? Did you listen to what Timothy was reading today? We don't get happy because bad things happen in our lives. But through the bad experiences, through the bad things that happen to us, the principle that guides us through it is that we give thanks to God for everything that happens because He is the one who knows all things. He's the one who has allowed things to happen. He's the one who will take the bad and turn it into good ultimately. You need to remember Romans 8, 28. We all need to remember this well-known scripture. It is so well known, you probably cannot quote it. So let's go take a look at this verse. Romans chapter 8. It's a common verse. It's an overlooked verse. It is a very necessary verse when it comes to in everything give thanks, in all things give thanks. Because this verse gives us the answer as to how we can give thanks to God for everything and for all things. Romans 8.28 now, this is not for an unsaved man. This is for a saved man, a saved sinner. 28. And we know, a lot of things we don't know, but we know this. And we know that all things, what? All things, all things? The good things, the bad things, the things I don't understand. We know that all things work together. But the things that are rotten, the things that are putrid, the things that are, I didn't plan it this way. All things work together. Together, we know this. All things work together. Now, independently, the all th the things that are in our lives, or the things that happen to us, independently, they don't make much sense. This incident, this experience, and this this was done, this was not done, and this accident, this tragedy, this sickness, all these things independently, it doesn't make sense. But it does say we know that all things work together. All things work together. For good. But it doesn't seem that way, does it? It seems like all these things are against me, they're against you, and this is just a dead end. It's just like that. It just seems the way when it's separated, when it's independent. But together, it works together for good to them that love God. Now I'll stop there and explain it like this. My wife makes good meatloaf. And when she makes good meatloaf, I like good meatloaf. And she makes good cookies, oatmeal cookies with chocolate chip. It's so good. I know that she follows a recipe. The recipe includes eggs, flour, walnuts. Uh, what else? Butter. Huh? Oats. Oats, butter. Okay, sugar. Yeah, sugar. Baking soda. Okay, now, if you took the baking soda by itself, what are you making? I'm making baking soda. Uh, who's, who wants baking soda? And eggs. 
raw eggs. I like hard boiled eggs. I like scrambled eggs. I don't like raw eggs. People used to put raw eggs in their, in their shake for protein. Oh, just because you blend it up doesn't mean it's not raw. That thing is disgusting, raw eggs. What else do you have in there? Sugar. Okay, you ever try to just get a tablespoon of sugar? A spoon full of sugar has to mess it down? Uh-uh. It'll make you puke. What else is in there? Flour? Flour. You ever try to scoop flour in your mouth? Okay, independently, these all things, if they don't work together, it's not good. But when you mix it together, get the oven to whatever temperature, get it preheated first, stick it in there, and you, you smell that thing baking, it's like, it is like you are in heaven. My brother Randall is autistic, he's nearly 60. Is he 60 already? Okay, he can't care for himself, but he loves sugar. He loves sugar, he likes candy, he likes ice cream, and uh, uh, he's always asking Nancy for sugar, for, for candy something, and uh, she says, no, Randall, you've had enough sugar. And he says, mama, Mama, when I get to heaven, can I have sugar? You know what she says? She's a theologian. She says, Randall, when you get to heaven, you can have all the sugar you want. That's good theology. For a boy who can't think right. That's good theology. You can have all the sugar you want. Independently, oh man, I, I don't understand this. I don't, why? I've done everything right that I know of, and look what happened because I did the right thing. Look at what happened when I did the right. Look at what happened. I tried to follow the Lord. And look what happened. Look what happened. I prayed. I trusted God. Look what happened. It fell apart. I got fired. Look what happened. I trusted God with my life. And look what happened. Look at what she did. Look at what he did. Look at my kids. They're all in prison. And I tried to raise them right. I did what the Bible says. I trained them up in the nurture and admiration of the Lord and in the way that they should go. And look what happened. Oh man, that really is horrible to think about what happens when that happens to a good parent. Oh, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and God never answered that. I guess God's not real. Why would you come to that conclusion? Because independently, those things, those ingredients are not good by itself. But it all works together when you get mixed like that. God is the grand chef, the cookie master. <laughs> And he puts the ingredients in the, and he stirs it up like that. He scoops it up. And the oven's just right there. It sticks in there. Ten minutes, whatever. It comes out perfectly. Comes out perfectly every time. If the temperature is at the right temperature, if the ingredients are the right mix and the right amount of the ingredients, is mixed just right and scooped just right, it's going to always come out just right. All things work together for good. Scripture principles, we thank God for all things and we give thanks in everything because though the, the though it's unpleasant by itself, we have faith to believe that God will work it out for our good. I need to always tell you this story when it comes to something like this because I almost married the wrong girl. I almost married the wrong girl. In fact, sometimes I wonder if I did marry the right girl. Just kidding. Ooh, ooh, I can you know, I heard about people, about wives poisoning their husbands slowly. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of this in their water, in their tea, coffee like that. I mean, so you can't trace it, you can't, it's not, you can't discern, and then all of a sudden the guy dies. 
<laughs> don't don't plant that thought. That was, that was not right. So uh, yeah, the story is not not a uh, secret, but I almost married the wrong girl more than once, and uh, it was very it's very hurtful to me. I felt rejected because I was. <laughs> I was rejected. I was turned down. What a good feeling that you could be turned down. Well, it turned out to be a blessing because had I pursued that relationship, had I pushed it, had I forced my way, I don't know where I would be. I don't. I don't. All the things would have missed out in the ministry. I would have missed it all because I forced something when I should have just let God work it out together. And in patience and in time, God revealed, okay, this is why I told you no on this one. This is why I said no on this one. This is why I had no on this one because of this over here. Now, who but an all-wise, all-knowing God can work things out like that? That's why we can thank God in all things. Not for everything that's bad, but by faith in all things. I know God is there, and He's orchestrating things so that it's for my good. Now, that's a good God. Be thankful for God who is good. All right, Give thanks to God always for all things. And um, give thanks for the people in your life. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1 very quickly. Ephesians chapter 1. Thank God for God. I'll get to that in just a second too, but thank God that He knows everything and He works everything out for our good. And then give thanks as a principle. Give thanks to the people in your life. Ephesians 1 and verse number 13. 1 13. Paul often in his letters or his epistles always gave thanks to the people he wrote to. He wanted them to know he appreciated them. He thanked God for them. Ephesians 1 13. Uh, in whom you also trusted. After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's a good verse about eternal security. When God saved you, he also sealed you. You can never lose your salvation. Do not fret that you can lose it because you never can because it is God who is keeping you secure, not yourself, not your good works. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, until the until the praise of his glory. Verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here is Paul thanking God for their salvation. He's also thanking them, the Ephesian Christians, these believers. He's thanking them. He's thanking them for their growing faith. He's mentioning them in his prayers. He's thankful, grateful for them. He's thankful for the people he's had a chance to minister to and have a partner life with. And in other verses, he talks about thanking, thanking God for other people. Now, the simple truth, the simple principle is that you need to be thankful not only to God for him working things out in your life, but thanking God for the people he has put in your life. Now, no man is an island. And a long time ago in the 60s, the, Simon and Garfunkel wrote a song. I think it was Simon wrote the song. Uh, about him being an island. I'm an island. I'm a rock. And he lets no one in. He said he's got his books and my poetry uh, to comfort me. I'm shielded in my armor, hiding in my room, safe within my womb. I touch no one and no one touches me. I'm a rock. I'm an island. That's about him being hurt. That's about him being jilted. That's about him falling in love, getting proposals, uh, a woman accepting a proposal, and then she backed up for another guy. Oh, he's crushed by that. So that song is about heartache. It's about sorrow. It's about, I never want to be around people anymore. Paul Paul says, I am so grateful for the people in my life. I'm so grateful for you young Christians that I can help to grow. 
And so the simple principle here is be thankful to people in your life. Uh, Miranda gave me a little wooden square thing. You remember that, Miranda? The little square about people? Now, she gave it to me because I have a way of thinking, and it's not good. You remember what that little slogan is in that piece of wood? It's about people. It's about irritating people. You don't remember? You don't remember? I, I remember the plaque, but I don't remember exactly That irritates what it me. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this little thing says, God uses people in your life uh, to shape you, something like that. So she gave it to me in response to me being irritated with people. I mean, really. I mean, can we be honest today? People irritate me. And if you're honest with yourself, you say amen to that. Yeah. Right? Amen. Now, if nothing irritates you, if nobody irritates you, you are you're a walking dead man. You're not alive. You have no you have no convictions. You have no feelings. You have nothing about you. You have no emotions. If you are neutral, well, I'm not neutral. I respond in a negative and positive way to how people behave. Well, she gave me this little thing that says that, and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to throw away that plaque <laughs> because it is true. God puts people in my life and in your life, and sometimes it's there to poke me like a needle, like a, like a thorn in the flesh. It's to bring out things in me that I'm avoiding and not trying to face up to. Am I telling you the truth? Yeah. Don't look at me like, oh yeah, it's good for you, it's good for you. <laughs> it's good for you too, buddy. I mean, you're the one that's got to work on some things in your life and in your character. We avoid it, we dodge it, we mask it, we veneer it because it's unpleasant. But that little wooden thing God has put some people in life to, to help you. Oh, it's such a it's such an irritating thing. It's so true. <laughs> it is so true. And so thank God for the people in your life. And then I want to say this in principle. Uh, thank God for God being who he is. Thank God for God being who he uh, I want you to come to the Psalm real quick. Psalm chapter 30. I, I really need you to come there quickly. Psalm chapter 30. There's a, a part of the Lord that we appreciate more than his other parts, I'm sure. Psalm 30, verse 1, 2, and 3. Let me go ahead and read it. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. Lord my God, I cry unto thee, and thou hast healed me. Sounds like the lepers is not. Verse 3. O Lord, thou hast brought, me, uh, brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive. Whoa, that's a good verse. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. And isn't that true spiritually? God has saved your rotten soul and he has redeemed you. And now one day you're going to go to heaven, not to hell. You're not going to go down to the pit. That's something to be thankful for right there. And he's kept you alive. Well, that's a blessing right there. You know, seven years ago this month, the Monday after Thanksgiving, I had bypass surgery. Seven years ago. It's been that long. It's been going so quickly. And it was a really horrible time for me because I'm, I'm an independent man. I kind of take care of myself. And uh, chocolate is the secret of keeping yourself in good health. And uh, I, when that thing happened, it was a shock to both of us. We cried in the, in the treadmill in the, um, the, over at the, where were we? Queens. At Queens. And uh, when the doctor said, if you're my dad, I'd admit myself right now for surgery. And that was a blow to my ego. Here I am, exercising, running, playing ball. Tennis, racquetball, ah, macho, Sylvester Stallone without the, without the shots. <laughs> and now he's telling me, you're pathetic. You need surgery. 
You can't do without it. And so that accounted for that pounding in the chest that I never felt before. And I thought if I work harder, exercise more, no pain, no gain, I'd get back in shape after a vacation. Wrong. You talk about a dumb head. That was a dumb head thing to do, thinking that that little slogan was what's gonna, gonna improve my stamina. It was just the opposite thing I need to do. And so I had the surgery Monday after, and it took, everything was so quick. It took, he, he got to see the surgeon, got, a, got this thing up my vein and everything else, and surgery on Monday, and stay in the hospital until Friday, come home, rehab after that. Boy, thou has kept me alive. That's my verse. That's my verse. That's my verse. The other verse is in Psalm something where it says, My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. God fixed me, literally. And I, I'm grateful, I'm thankful for that. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? The principle is, thank God for who he is. And here is God saying to you, thank God for who I am and thank God for what I do. What has he done for you to make you thankful? Well, but Pastor, I understand. Life is really hard. I'm not going to be tried about and say life is tough. I'm not going to go like that, but it, it is true. I mean, look, you go down Dillingham Boulevard, it's a horrible road. It's, it's a bad road. This state has so many bad roads. I've never met so many bad streets in my life than in Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, you can't go 30 miles an hour from the, your car falling apart and knocking apart your front end. This thing is horrible. This place is bad. The streets. Life is like that, you know. And you think God doesn't know that? You, know, you think God doesn't know the bumper road you're on? You think God doesn't know you're on Dillingham Boulevard with dynamite and glycerin in the back seat? <laughs> you think God doesn't know that? Handle with care, this box says. <laughs> Explosives inside. <laughs> oh, God knows all about that. He says... Be thankful, the principles, be thankful to God for who he is and for what he has done. Now, uh, look at verse number 11. Thou hast turned for me my morning into dancing. I told you earlier, when Jesus shows up, he makes a difference. Here is the statement, thou hast turned my, from me my morning into dancing. Thou hast put, uh, put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Okay, the doctor says this. And now, two weeks later, the doctor says, I don't understand this. Look at this x-ray. Two weeks ago, look at the x-ray now. I don't understand this. You see that mass right over here, this, this spot over here? Now it's gone. He says, I don't understand that. He says, medically, I don't understand what happened. Well, as a believer, you know what happened. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. He's thinking, there must have been a mistake with the technician. He must have moved or something. I, well, I, I, uh, and you as a patient say well I'm just going to thank God for that thou hast turned for me my morning into dancing well can you thank God for something in your life now there's a man who cannot I have to stop I'm not finished but I have to stop there's a man who there's a man who uh, was not content with how he looked he cannot thank God for how God made him, so he altered his body. I have his name here. He altered his body. He altered the body so much, he did it one, he had a thousand surgeries on him. That's what I wrote down, a thousand surgeries. I have his name, I'll tell you in just a second, you look at him on, online. He spent one million dollars for surgeries on his body. Quote, this is about a man who cannot thank God for who he is. 
So we thank God in principle for, for what God has done, for who he is, and then we thank God for how he's made us. Now look, I'm going to say something to preface this statement here. Nobody here, nobody here should feel bad if you have to do something to your face because of an accident. You know, you have to have some kind of plastic surgery or some kind of procedure to fix, you know, some. We're not talking about that, okay? We're talking about being extreme because you're so disgusted with your body. You want to meet someone else's standard. You're going to spend all this money, have all this surgery to look acceptable. Listen to what he says. I am always just about change. I'm always just about change. I'm enamored with our abilities to be able to modify. What are you reading, sir? I'm enamored with my, our abilities to be able to modify our bodies. For me, it's an artistic and creative endeavor. It's not about looking younger as much as being able, as, uh, 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 let me read it again. It's not about looking younger as much as just being the most presentable version and customizing yourself to the way that you choose. Customizing yourself? Customizing yourself. You customize the car. You customize your computer. You don't customize your body. It's not about looking your as much as just being the most presentable version. Well, who is to say that's presentable? Just being the most presentable version and customizing yourself to the way that you choose. That's a very sad commentary, don't you know? This man has spent a million dollars in his life, 1,000 surgeries, all kind of things, unimaginable things. When you see his picture, when you look him up, here's his name. His name is Justin Jelica, the human Ken doll. Now, to be kind but honest, it is the most grotesque looking human being you've ever seen. It is so plastic looking, it is so artificial, it is so inhuman. It is so robotic looking, it is so artificial. But to be the most presentable person I want to be, God made you the way he made you, all right? right. Made you male and female, okay? The genetics are such that you cannot change the color of your hair. It'll still come out the same color. It's just supposed to come. The shape of your eye, your bone structure, it's just the way you're gonna be. Be happy, be thankful for how God made you. If God made you a male, be thankful he made you a man. If God made you a woman, well, what else would have made you, male or female only? Be thankful for that. And be the best Christian you can be in the body God has given to you. Be thankful for that. Now, um, I wish though, uh, I was thinking, if, if, if Justin wanted to change himself like that, he could have just gone to Benny Hinn, a crusade. And have him do that and heal him and fix him up. But that could never happen. Now, if that could happen, if Benny could fix and heal people like that, I would go to him and have him uh, touch my head so I have hair. <laughs> I would do that. I'm serious. I would go and do that if he could. But I know he can't. I know he's just a fake. Be thankful in all things, in everything. Give thanks. The pilgrims. Uh, thank God for provision. I'll stop here. I really will. Um, thank God for the provisions given to you. Do you know that when Jesus fed the 5,000, the 4,000, the 7,000? Do you know that he, before he discharged the bread to the disciples, he gave thanks to his father? Why did he give thanks to his father? Because that was saying, my father did this. Through me, 
he did this. Through me, my father did this, this miracle, feeding the 5,000 and so on. Through him, so he gave thanks to God. When you bow your heads to thank God for Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving feast on Thursday, you're telling God, it's because of you, I'm able to enjoy the bounty. You're thanking God. When you bow your head to thank God for your food, whether it be a short prayer, now you don't need to pray for every missionary in the world when you pray for your food, just pray for your food. God, thank you for this food, bless to my body, in Jesus' name, amen, good enough. All right, Lord, bless the missionary in, in Saigon, bless the missionary in Russia, but protect them from, and in South America. Don't have to go through all that. Don't have to try to prove how spiritual you are. Some people bow on their knees in a restaurant to pray, and they pray out loud. It, it's for show, it's for show. Yeah. Just bow your head quietly and thank God for it. That's all you need to do. Now, the pilgrims, Thanksgiving. Connection to the pilgrims, yes? Okay, I'm done with this one. After crossing the land, it was 66 long, horrible days. 66 days, they come and land in America. It's wintertime, it's horrible, it's cold. People are on board a ship the size of a volleyball court. They're puking all over the place, slipping in a sliding. What an image. The crew makes fun of them. Women are pregnant. It's horrible. They finally land. They get to shore. It's freezing cold. Half the people die. The first governor dies. But the coming year, God sends some people, some Indians, some Indians, oh, sorry, Native Americans, some Indian named Squanto and Massasoit. They come by, there's peace trees made and everything. There's now, you know, reasonable safety and all that. And then um, there's the Indians showing them how to plant corn with fish as fertilizer. They have a good crop. And so the next year, coming into the fall, oh, they're so happy. Listen to the words of Governor Bradford from his journal. Our harvest being gotten. Rejoicing together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. For three days we entertained and feasted. And they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want let me read that again. We are so far from want that we are partakers of plenty. That's why you should enjoy your food on Thanksgiving Day and every day you eat because God has provided. They acknowledge God is providing for it. The hero of this Thanksgiving story, the, the first Thanksgiving, was not the, the Indian. God used them, but the hero of the story, quote, is God who provided for them. Never let people revise history for you and give credit to someone who don't deserve the credit. All right. So give God thanks for that. One last one. Last one for real. Give God thanks for victory over death. First Corinthians 15 says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The greatest thing to thank God for is that one of these days, death will take all of us, if not for the rapture. But death will hold everyone down in the grave except Jesus Christ will resurrect the body up one of these days. 
We have victory in Christ. Death cannot hold us down. It's appointed the man wants to die, but we're not going to all stay dead because of Jesus Christ's resurrection and our coming resurrection as promised by the Lord himself. And so he's provided for us eternal life. That alone should cause you to be thankful. Amen. Let's, just, let's just end right here. Okay, you got food. You got material things. You have a car, you have a home, you have a house, you have all these things. You have friends, and you have family, and you have etc. But above all of that, you have this. And if you got that, all of this just adds to the blessing. But that's the most important one. Now, thank God, thank God, thank God you got some of those other things underneath the eternal life. Thank God for that. Enjoy it. Thank God for it. Don't take it for granted. One of these days, you won't have it. Enjoy it. Thank God for it. But above all else, if you got nothing in this life, you got that, the top one. That's the most important one. Keep it in perspective. And so, Thanksgiving is a good time to remember these things. All right, let's bow in prayer. Now, Father, we thank you for the reminder this time of the year again about how we should be thankful for all things. Thankful like the one man who came back, who stopped and paused to thank you. We need to stop and thank you, not just today, but especially this time of the year. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the blessings you've given to us, the things we often take for granted, the things we grumble about, that we, if we didn't have it, we'd wish we had them. The people in our lives that we fuss about and get irritated with, but if they were gone, we'd wish they were with us. We thank you, Father, for providing, most of all, providing eternal life for us through your Son. We could never be, with a thousand lives, expressing enough gratitude to you for the salvation you gave to us freely. And I pray that you help us on this Thanksgiving Sunday to never forget that we're to be thankful people for all things. And by doing so, we'll, you'll help us go through some of the hard things, the bumpy Dillingham Boulevards of our lives. You'll help us through them because by faith, we'll trust you to help us through. And in the end, or at least in process, it'll be for our good. Help us, Father, to remember these things as we enjoy family, and food on Thanksgiving Day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.